You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Nineheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Welcome to the Eat With Grace podcast. I am Brooke, one of your hosts, and today uh, Jackie and I are going to be talking about eating during the holidays. I know for a lot of people, this can be an issue, uh, whether you struggle, you know, some people struggle with weight gain during this time of year just because of the increased sweets and foods available. Um, Other people struggle with maybe all of the other social aspects that go along with the holidays and and things like that. So we're just going to talk about some of the issues. Uh, that hopefully we can uh, talk through and provide some tips for you as you as you work through eating uh, during the month of December here. So, Jackie, what what are your thoughts on holiday eating? I can tell you, I've already been to one holiday party. It was uh, kind of quite a few people, but just at my table were six women. Every single one of them was on a diet. Couple were on Weight Watchers, and then a couple were on these really strange, far out kind of diets where you have to buy the bars and the shakes. Mm-hmm. And I think there might have been two of us. It was a nurse who worked for the health department and gives out nutrition information. You could tell she was totally not on board with these diets. And myself, and she kept looking across the table. I didn't even really know her, but she kept looking at the across the table because I had already said I was a dietitian. And we were like, oh my goodness, could we? And we both tried to change the subject, but all they wanted to talk about is how much weight they'd lost and the kind of food they're eating and everything. And it was a holiday party. And it's like, okay, do you realize how you make everybody else feel like we can't even enjoy this holiday party because you're all talking about this. So, yeah, I know there's a lot of people, uh, who, who of course are probably dieting this time of year. Um, you know, a lot of people will start after the holiday season, of course, but it does change the atmosphere. I think it changes, um, definitely the, conversations and the relationships that you have with people at these social gatherings you know if someone is 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 on a diet or following a strict diet or or talking about it like that but i've honestly i i feel bad for those people i'm like i wish you could just eat this and enjoy it and just like take it all in and not worry so much you know like i just feel like they're missing out on so much and so anyway hopefully um you know, at some point, uh, maybe, maybe they'll realize that or not, but, um, I do, I just, I feel bad for those people. So part of the conversation was that the one that was on this diet, that it's very expensive. It's probably, um, hundreds of dollars a month and they, their meals are shakes and bars, and then they can eat one, uh, protein meal a day. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, oh yeah, I tried Weight Watchers and I tried going to a nutritionist. I said, oh, well, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm a dietitian. Oh, it must've been a dietitian and that diet didn't work either. It's like, okay, so they, I think they have lost 25 pounds 
and it's been like a month or something. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to know you long-term. I will know you a year from now. It will be, I don't even say this in my mind. I want to be there for you when you crash because 98% of these diets, you do gain it back because they're not sustainable. And so I want to be there as a friend at, with empathy and love, compassion and care because they are so excited right now. They are on cloud nine and feel so good. And they want to lose another 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, what I'm thinking is when you have some emotional upheaval in your life, who knows what that might be? Mm -hmm. That's the time that often we just can't sustain these ridiculous diets. Right. Right. And so what are your thoughts on like, so say someone who isn't dieting this time of year, right? Sweets tend to be a huge part of the holiday season. There's people doing a lot of Christmas baking, whether they do it on their own or they, you know, receive it as a gift from someone else. I know lots of people who make tons of baked goods. And then of course they distribute it to all their friends. Um, what are your thoughts on that and how to deal with all of the the excess maybe that occurs this time of year? You know, my answer is almost always the same to all those issues is to handle it with grace. Mm -hmm. And it's to figure out how can I show empathy, compassion, and love back to the person who's sharing that with me. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's now, as far as every individual situation, I don't know. Right. Do you have better ideas than I, than, you know, honestly, I, I think it depends on the person. I always tell people, you know, the way that you should eat the month of December is the way that you should eat every other time of the year. I think if we're truly honoring our hunger and our fullness, no matter what we're eating, our body's going to adjust to that. And our body's going to, um, be taken care of, you know, like we're not going to gain excessive amounts of weight if we're honoring our hunger and our fullness. Uh, I think we can still make wise decisions and still allow for all the yummy things and the, the Christmas cookies and the eggnogs. I think we can do that. Um, but again, it's all in moderation and it's enjoying it in the moment and it's taking advantage of it while we can, but not going overboard. And I think some of it too, for for people comes back to the mindset of good food, bad food. If you have this, this diet mentality that all of these yummy Christmas foods are off limits, except this time of year, a lot of people are going to naturally just go hog wild on those things when they do have access to them, you know? And I think that's where the problem lies in where if we, if we don't, if we don't see it as this super special thing or this forbidden thing, um, and we just, you know, see it as food and keep it, keep it as neutral as possible. I think we're going to be less tempted to go overboard on it. And we're going to be able to, um, you know, have one instead of six or something like that, because we know it's something that we can have any time. Yes. It's more available this time of year, but really, if you wanted to make Christmas cookies all year long, you could. Uh, so I think it's kind of, yeah, all goes back to your mindset and kind of like where you see food, how you categorize food, what your relationship with food is. And if you have a really solid relationship with food going into the holiday season, you really shouldn't have any issues with those things. So uh, I think it can be a good 
indicator for people, maybe where they are at. If every year this time of year comes and they just, they go crazy and maybe they gain a ton of weight in a month, that I think that would be a, that's kind of a red flag where someone could be like, wow, maybe I do need to do some work on this um, so that this doesn't happen every year. Because, you know, they say it's normal for people to gain weight during the holiday season. I guess I've never gained weight during the holiday season. Um, but, you know, everyone's going to be a little bit different, but I just think there's, it's a, it's a, it's a red flag and maybe a good way for people to, yeah, to maybe see where they're at and see where some work needs to be done. Another, um, I thought you brought up a really good point of being able to, to realistically see where you're at mm-hmm. when you're faced with a season like the holidays. And something else I could add to that is, is check yourself. Are you the same in front of other people mm-hmm. as you are in your own kitchen or your own living room or your own home or in the car? Um, let me give you an example. You may go to a holiday party and you make a big deal how I don't eat any of this. I don't have any refined sugar. I don't have any of this in my diet. I don't have any of this in my diet. But in secret, you eat all kinds of things, like mm-hmm. actually binge on things, mm-hmm. but you don't do it in front of people. And when I see people who... um continually never eat in front of anyone else. That is an indication that they don't really have a very good relationship with food. I don't know if it's because they, I suppose there's a variety of reasons. Maybe they don't Mm -hmm. trust themselves. Maybe they don't trust the the food. Um, Maybe they don't um, trust, you know, how people will view them. So there's a lot of different issues there that could be, be coming into play. But I think overall, it's an indication of maybe an unhealthy relationship with food. If you cannot or do not eat in front of people, especially those people that talk all the time about their diets and how wonderful right. their diet is and how right. great this is and that they don't eat this or this or this or this. It's like, okay, why are we talking about it? Why are we not eating in front of people? But why when I go away from it? am I eating? Let me give you an example. Someone told me that when they were a teenager, Friday, Saturday nights, they and a friend would go to a grocery store, buy an entire Boston cream pie or cake and take it to their car and eat it in their parking, in the parking lot. Okay. So those same people are on a diet and they're not eating in front of people, Mm. you know? And so So that's a, you know. Yep. I think that's interesting that you bring that up with um, the eating in front of people, because I know lots of people who eat that way. Honestly, I ate that way Um, in high school. I hated eating in front of other people. I didn't want other people to see what I was eating. I don't know why. I don't know what was the driver behind it. I don't know if I was like worried that they were going to judge me. Um, I know a lot of people in larger bodies who fear eating in front of people because, you know, there is this stigma out there that when you see a larger person eating food, you know, they're, they're going to be judged differently than a a person in a thin body eating food. And so I know a lot of them will avoid eating in social situations, um, and then eat in secret. And so, 
I don't know how that's fixed or, or what the, the main driver is behind it. I think a lot of it comes from probably just confidence and having confidence in yourself and, and the choices that you're making and not worrying about what other people think. Um, but yeah, I do see that being an issue. You know, the person who, yeah, doesn't eat at all at the party or wherever they're at. And then when they get home, they're so hungry. They just end up binging on everything. Again, not, not a healthy way to, to eat at all. So I even find myself having a hard time. Um, I, I put some food on my plate. I'm sitting there and everyone's talking about their diets or talking about what they don't eat. And I am trying to have normal feelings about my food, which mm -hmm. actually is kind of hard. And then I want to get up and get something else to eat. And I know everyone's going to notice. And so I purposely have to say to myself, I need to set an example. I can get up and get another thing of food and still have a healthy relationship with food. So yes. I understand how during the holidays, it gets hard for all of us, mm -hmm. you know, because people are watching, people are, are noticing even the ones who um, make the food. And, and, you know, I have known some anorexics who are wonderful cooks and they cook all kinds of food for other people, but then they never eat it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think during the holidays, this is a time when they really can go overdrive doing that. So mm -hmm. maybe we have to look at our motives of what we're preparing and, and what we're giving out. Um, yeah. I don't want to say there's anything wrong with giving out candy and cookies and food because if oh, that's right. love language, then that's a wonderful thing. But right. if we're anorexic and we're doing it, then we really got to think about, is this healthy? Right. And I think in that aspect for someone who's dealing with an eating disorder, um, that's kind of one way of feeding it, right? Like they're, they're making all this food because, because when, when you have an eating disorder, food is like front and center. You are constantly thinking about food, um, whether you're going to eat it or not eat it, you're constantly thinking about it. And so surrounding yourself and putting yourself in that situation where you're cooking and baking all the time and just surrounding yourself by food, but then still choosing not to eat it. Yes. is not a healthy situation to be in at all. But yeah, I know lots of, I know lots of people who have the love language of baking and, and giving food away. And that's great. Um, one comment that I hear from a lot of people, and maybe some of our listeners can relate is that a lot of people who struggle with food, a lot of people who struggle with their bodies and with weight will say that they purposely bake things and give them away so that they're not in the house. Is, is that an okay thing to do? I think it depends on the person and maybe, maybe you disagree, Jackie, but I know for some of my clients, if, if having stuff like sweets and stuff like that in the house is a huge trigger for them. If they don't feel safe or like in control around food, if it's in their house, fine, then keep it out of your house. I think it's okay to not have it in there. Um, but I would love for every single person to get to the point where they can have that stuff in their house and not feel controlled by it and not feel out of control around it. Because that is, that is when you've truly come to a place of food freedom is when you can be surrounded by that stuff all the time and not feel like it's constantly, you know, like in your face um, and constantly tempting you because it's just, um, yeah, it's a really great place to be when you can get there. So that's, 
that's kind of my advice is if it, if it is a huge trigger and you feel like you're going to binge and you can't do it, then yes, keep it out of your house. But I would love for you to try, you know, even incrementally, let's try to get you to a place where you can have it there. Try to keep some at home. If you need to keep it in the freezer instead of on the counter, so it's out of sight, I mean, start there. Um, if you need to only have it or maybe kind of make a, um, you know, a pact with your, your spouse or your significant other, or one of your kids or someone you live with, um, you know, that you're, you're just going to eat those things when you're with them and you're not going to eat things in secret. You know, maybe there's some things like that you can do to just try to normalize having those things in our homes. Uh, so it's not such a scary thing when it comes once a year. I think you made a really good point when you're talking about um, people with food disorders, that food is front and center all the time. And then you talked about freedom from food and freedom from this constant feeling of, I can't handle having food there or constantly think about dieting or constantly think about food. Okay, if we look at this from a biblical perspective, you know, that's what God wants us to do with the scriptures. He wants mm. us to have the scriptures front and center. He wants us to be so immersed in prayer that we are constantly praying without ceasing. Mm -hmm. Well, if we are constantly thinking about food without ceasing, there's no way we can also be praying without ceasing. So, um, you know, there is a biblical worldview here that we really have to think about and push back on the idea of having food front and center all the time is okay in our minds because it probably really isn't. I am not focusing on God, on his word, on his vision for me, on um, showing grace to others and deepening my faith if I'm constantly thinking about this food battle. Right. Yeah. Food, our bodies, our dieting, weight loss, whatever it is, all of those things are a distraction. And I think um, they can all become way too important in our lives and take up way too much space in our mind and in our thoughts and in our actions. And so, yeah, I think we should always be checking and making sure that we're not that we're not at that place. And I think especially, especially during this holiday season, when like um, with Christmas and like um, the Advent season and this expectancy of, you know, the birth of Christ and celebrating how wonderful it was that God sent his son to earth for us, like at this time of the year, especially, um, that should be front and center of our mind. We should be focusing on what Christmas is really about, you know, and not get sucked into all this other stuff, you know, like, like the food and, and the weight gain or whatever else it is. Um, and making sure that, yeah, we're keeping our priorities straight on what's really important. That is a really good um, perspective. And you asked the question about when people are giving all kinds of cookies and candies and how you handle that. Well, I think we need to think of it as a gift mm -hmm. that the giver means for it to be and accept it as this wonderful gift Yep. Um, there's no reason that we can't, like you say, if, if you can't handle having food like that in the house, that you can't share it and give it away or whatever, but the, accepting it, accepting it in love. Mm -hmm. uh, so the other person, you know, they're doing it with a right. good heart and we need to accept it with a good heart. Right. And you don't have to eat it. <laughs> you know, if someone does give you a big plate of goodies, you don't have to eat it. I mean, 
if it's something you really like, go for it. But if you don't, you don't have to eat it. It's okay. So. And I think it's important to make that distinction. It's not making it, I don't think we need to make a distinction like this is good food and this is bad food. I think we need to make a distinction of this is a special food. My grandmother makes it once a year. I want to have a little piece of it uh-huh. versus I don't even like this kind of food. I'm not going to really enjoy it and it's not going to satisfy me. So why am I trying to fool myself? Right. Do you have any traditional holiday favorites that your family always makes this time of year, eats this time of year? Well, you know, probably one of my favorite are um, homemade uh, caramels. Mm. And um, we love taking the caramel and dipping it in with apples. So we'll do Mm. apple slices and dip it in caramels. Now, when I was growing up, we might do that like in the fall. But at Christmas, we would just eat the plain caramels. Mm-hmm. And um, with my family, we do it as a dip. And so I was just thinking of it as we were talking about this podcast that um, I love slicing up a really good Honeycrisp apple or Pink Lady apple or a Granny Smith apple because they're really tart and slicing them and having a beautiful array of different colored apples to dip in this caramel and maybe have some walnuts or almonds that uh, you sprinkle over the caramel. So that that's one tradition. What about you? Um, my aunt makes caramels like to die for caramels every year too. Um, love those. Um, like one of the biggest one in our house actually is Lefsa. Uh, we're oh. a very Norwegian family. And so we have Lefsa from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Um, what do you put on your Lefsa? Um, for those who don't know what Lefsa is, first of all, it's, it's a, like a tortilla kind of, but it's made out of potatoes. Um, instead of flour or corn or something like that. So uh, I butter and sugar, butter and sugar. And it you is, roll them up and heat them up and eat it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. nice. Um, I, I've done it with cinnamon before. Um, it's okay. I just, I like butter and sugar. That's my favorite. Um, but yeah, Lefsa is a big one that we do. Other than that, I think the only tradition, well, my grandma always made uh, date cookies Uh, They're like rolled out oatmeal cookies with like a date filling spread on it. That's kind of a family tradition. I'll make those um, a lot this time of year. Otherwise with my recipes sound so good. Maybe we should put those recipes uh, in the notes if you don't mind. Sure. Like the oatmeal date cookies. Those sound wonderful. The caramel. That'd be fun to see your recipe and the left said, do you make it or does someone else in your family make it? No, my mother makes it. Um, I've only actually made it once with, um, it was actually many years ago with my grandma. Uh, but no, my mom makes it every year. Her and her friends get together and make it. But I really, I really should learn how so that I can continue on that tradition. I just need to get all of the equipment to do it. Uh, Probably my absolute favorite thing in the holidays is to get together with my with my um, daughters and grandchildren and to bake something. Mm -hmm. And I have lots of favorites from our, our family, but um, it's usually, okay, what do you guys like? What are your favorites? What are we going to do today? And to be able to do it together. uh, That, that is my grandson is eight years old. He loves to help in the kitchen. His favorite, absolute favorite thing to do is I have a wheat grinder. 
Mm-hmm. Loves to put the weed in it and turn it on and see the flower, or I can do rolled wheat, rolled oats, or any kind of grain. And then we can make whole grain cookies out of it because mm-hmm. he has so much fun. He would do like uh, pounds and pounds and pounds of this uh, because he likes running the machine so much. So I'm almost to the point where whatever my grandkids like to do, that's what we do in the kitchen. And the tradition is just doing it together. Right. Yeah. And the, the tradition I did with my kids was just, you know, rolled out sugar cookies and decorating them just because then they could be involved and decorate and, and do that. So that's kind of the thing that I do with my, my kids. But I think, I think those holiday traditions are important. Um, I think everyone should have some kind of holiday tradition like that, whether it involves food or not, it doesn't matter. Maybe you just make gingerbread houses and you don't eat them. Uh, But I think those things are really important uh, for people of all ages. So yeah, the more that you can incorporate into your family traditions, the better. I do think that uh, traditions are important also. I think we're making memories with our kids. And if we are ruining those memories by saying, oh, you can't have that frosting or you can't have this or you can't eat this, et cetera. Especially if we're allowing a person who's thinner to eat all those foods Mm. and not a person in a little bit larger size body, Mm -hmm. that is the time that we are turning what could be a wonderful memory into something that is very traumatic. Mm-hmm. Very traumatic for that person. I agree. Yes. And, and it's just, it's just a mention of, oh, oh, don't eat that. You know, don't eat that. It's fattening or don't do this or something. So sometimes right. it's, it's very benign comments. We don't realize how hurtful it is, but then years and years later, instead of having made a beautiful, wonderful, traditional memory, we made a, memory that hurts and and it requires so much healing. So if you were going to leave our listeners with like one tip for this holiday season, what would it be? I just really like your comment about what the true meaning of Christmas is and why we truly give gifts Mm -hmm. and I would say, let's remember that the ultimate gift that was given to us was this baby in the manger. And every gift we give and every gift we receive is a remembrance of that. Right. Well said. Yes, we definitely need to keep keep our eyes on um, the reason for the season, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. So if you are struggling with food or whatever, just if you can try to keep your mind off of it, I think that's one of the best things that you can do. Um, Try not to let it be that main focal point in your thoughts. Um, Try not, you know, try, try, let it not be maybe um, the main, the main event at, at your social gatherings. If you can keep your mind off of it, make sure that you're just focusing on the people um, and everything else around you, I think that can help make things that can help make things better too. So that's wonderful, wonderful, practical, practical advice. I really like that. And um, I think that if we can help our kids and our families gather around the table, um, bless our food and trust 
that God is going to help us have a good relationship with food because he means for us to, he means for us to enjoy yes. it, not to yes. have knots in your stomach every time you face a tray of candy. Right. Food is actually his gift to us. It's one of those things our body needs, but it's also something that um, he has given to us for, yeah, pleasure and community and all these other things. It's, it's good. It's something he created and he called it good. So, all right. Well, uh, I think that's all we have for today. Uh, if anyone has any questions, of course, always reach out to us. Um, otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day.